Welcome to Live Your Dream Podcast. I'm your host, Lena. Thank you so much for listening from so many different countries around the world. That is more than 50 different countries. Today, I want to give a shout out to listeners from Sweden, New Zealand, Hong Kong, Colombia, and India. So, if you're listening from these countries or anywhere else, please send me a message and say hi. I would love to hear from you and learn about what you think about the show and where you're listening from. Many of you reached out and asked me about my career path and how and why I decided to become a career coach after working as a corporate lawyer and an investment banker. I talked about this in the intro of the last episode where I interviewed Dennis Hong. So if you haven't yet, please check it out. In my experience of working as a career coach, what I've often found is that people wait for other people to give them the permission to do what they want to do. And I can assure you, it will never come. You cannot wait for other people to give you the permission to do what it is that you want to do. You have to give yourself the permission. Other people don't know what you're capable of, and you don't even know what your full potential is until you give it a try. And while doing whatever it is that you're interested in or curious about, you may discover talents that you never even knew you had. I can tell you this from my own experience. When you have an intense desire to do something, it is God's calling that you're here to do just that. And there are other people who you will help through what you do and create. So please don't let your fear or negative thought talk you out of it. When I wrote my book or started a podcast or launched Give One Dream, a community that I built to help people pursue their dreams, nobody was calling me to tell me that I should do that. Nobody. In fact, a lot of people told me it was not going to work out. Are you crazy? Who do you think you are? Are some of the things I've heard. If I was waiting for other people to give me the permission, I'm pretty positive that I would still be working as a corporate lawyer, doing work that is soulless and not meaningful to me. And because I gave myself the permission to do the things that I wanted to do, I can tell you that my life has completely changed. And I have now experienced what it feels like to be coming home in a professional setting and how doing work that is aligned with who I truly am makes me feel like wearing clothes that is so comfortable and fits me so well. So if you're interested in learning more about my coaching or just to say hi, please send me a message on my website, selinalee.co, that is C-E-L-I-N-A-L-E-E.co, and I'd be happy to answer any questions you may have. The coaching can be done in person if you're in New York City or on the phone if you're anywhere else in the world. In addition to one-on-one -on -one coaching, I also give a lot of talks and do workshops and seminars, so if you send me an email, I'll add you to my email list and I'll be able to let you know when I visit your city. In today's episode, I talk to someone who does not wait for other people's permission to do the things he wants to do. John Syracuse is a host of the Bank On It podcast, where he interviews leaders from the fintech and the financial industry. He's also the director of partnership at Carpenter Group, a marketing firm on Wall Street. John dropped out of college and worked on many different kinds of jobs, including working as a car salesperson at Toyota. He eventually built a successful consulting practice and had over 20 banks and credit unions as clients. In 2014, he was diagnosed with a brain tumor, and after the surgery, he had to learn to walk and talk again and essentially had to rebuild his life. In his attempt to learn to talk again, he started a podcast and eventually grew it into a very successful podcast. He still has a lot of physical challenges he has to deal with on a daily basis, but that does not stop him from living a full life with a purpose and with very positive perspective and attitude. I was first introduced to John when I was preparing to start my podcast. I was very new to this world of podcasts. I didn't really know what I was doing and I was trying to figure it all out. And a friend of mine introduced us and before we even met in person, he spent a long time on the phone with me and very kindly explaining how to start a podcast, what kind of equipment to buy, and even offered to help me to test the equipment. And when I said, thank you, he said, no worries. Other people did the same for me when I was just getting started. 
I learned from John not only what it means to be resilient and how to get back up when life knocks you down, but also how to be kind to others and paid for it. I hope you enjoy the show. So in my studio today, I'm getting interviewed by Selena Lee. So Selena, thanks for being here. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'll shut up and let you take over. This is so much fun. I'm actually in your studio where you usually interview a lot of guests, but now I get to interview you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So thank you, John, for being here and letting me interview you. I know you grew up in New Jersey and also went to college there. So how was your uh, college experience like? (laughs) So it's kind of funny. I live in... I grew up in Wayne, New Jersey, right? So if anybody knows where Wayne is, it's about 20 minutes away from New York, right? It's Route 80 and so on. But my college was literally right across the street from my house. Oh, wow. So I went to, it's called William William Patterson University, right? It was so close that I could literally walk there every morning. And I went there for two years and then I left. I dropped out. Why did you drop out? (laughs) Well, I had a little bit of a hard time learning, right? In, in In a scholastics, uh, environment, right? Yeah. So I'm not really a great student in college. Not saying that college isn't great; it's very important. But for me, I just couldn't learn I in see. that environment. Just wasn't making any sense to me whatsoever. So what did you do after you dropped out? <laughs> so, well, I don't remember the types of jobs. I mean, I don't remember the time frames, but I did have a bunch of different types of jobs, right? So an example would be is uh, I think this was before college. I was making sandwiches at. Uh, not Subway, the other one, Blimpy, right? I made sandwiches <laughs> there, and then I became a chef at a restaurant. Wow! I actually helped my father build houses. Um, he's he's a mason, so he does stonework. I learned how to cut stone. I learned how to cut bricks. I learned how to lay on walls and build foundations of houses, and actually built houses from scratch. Um, and I was a mechanic where I was actually repairing cars, and then I did car sales. So <laughs> it was like in between the time frame of college and before, and a little bit after. Uh, that I did a bunch of different types of, of jobs. Wow, you've done so many different types of jobs. Yes, I did. And I did them terribly each <laughs> for like the first six months. Like I was always the worst at whatever it was I did. I'm surprised I didn't get fired like every single time. <laughs> but it took me a long time to learn how to do things good, right? And so I have, I'm not sure if it's a learning disability or whatever, but it took me a long time to actually learn each job. And just imagine I had to do learn how to become a chef. I never was a chef before. I didn't know how to cook and learn how to fix cars. I never fixed cars in my life, right? And then I learned how to build houses and cut stones and all that kind of stuff. I never did that before, you know? Wow. So how did you like figure it out? I never gave up, actually. Uh... I I just not the type of person that can quit and say, you know what? This is not for me. I, I think that's why I did so many different things as well. Yeah. Because I was curious, right? You know, I mean, like, I'm curious, like, what's it about? Like, what does it take to be a great whatever, right? I mean, what does it take to be a great stonemason, right? You know, it's like to cut. So I'll give you an example. When I was working with my dad, I was cutting stone with a chisel and a hammer, right? I mean, you learn things when you're doing that. Like, I can actually hear stone. Like, it's weird. I'm walking on the street and I hear people cutting stone. I'm like, you know, you have to be careful. You're going to break that stone. I'm hearing that it's actually weak and it's starting to break in the wrong spots. So, but for six months, I couldn't even lay stone straight. I was like, I couldn't even get the right stones. And it took me forever to learn. But once I learned it, I can hear things that other people can't hear, right? And mm. and the same thing with, with even building cars and doing work on cars. I can hear when a car is coming down the street, what's actually wrong with it. I'm not even looking underneath the hood of it, but I could hear what's wrong with it, right? And I could actually predict within a small percentage of what's actually wrong with it if I look underneath the hood. So I think to answer your question, uh, I just like trying new things, but I like like really learning. I love to learn things great. And it's so hard to do that over and over and over again. But I wanted to see if I could do that, if I could repeat being really good at something, right? And I learned that by being really bad at something for six months and doing it the wrong way over and over and over again and not quitting, you will learn. You will have no other choice but to learn if you give yourself that. And you uh, worked in Toyota and you told me you were very bad at the job. I was terrible. (laughs) Yeah, I was in in car sales, right? So that was in one of my other positions that I held was I was in car sales, right? And 
I never did car sales in my life. I never did sales in my life. I was making sandwiches, working on cars, making salads or cutting chicken or something like that or building houses. I never had a sales job. I didn't. I never even, I mean, the best sales job I saw were on TV, right? You saw these guys like boiler room and those kind of things, right? So I went to sales and I worked at a smaller dealership at first and my terrible sales, I guess, skill didn't show as, as clearly there because, I mean, it was a small dealership. Mm-hmm. And and so I, I wasn't that bad there, but still I was pretty bad. But then I got pulled over to another dealership that was like where, like it was like the Yankees of of like Toyota dealerships, right? And I went there and all these other people are like they're like titans in the industry, right? I mean, they're like the best salesmen in in the world, right? And I'm there and I was terrible. I mean, I couldn't even sell a car to my mom. My mom came <laughs> in, right? She came in and she looked at a car and then when we were about to leave, uh, she was about to leave, she goes, "You know, I'll think about it and I'll let you know." <laughs> I'm like, so I couldn't even sell my mom a car. I was six months Aww. in. I almost got fired, oh, right? Wow. And they were going to let me go because I, I haven't sold, I don't even think I sold a car for three months. Like, I think I sold my first car by mistake <laughs> because the person had no other choice. <laughs> and they bought a car for me in three months. And, and uh, in six months, I was selling almost nothing, right, compared to what everyone else was doing. But it was kind of interesting, though. Like, in six months, though, everything kind of changed. And I think that... Um, most people thought I got lucky at that time, right? They were like, there's no way this idiot can actually sell cars, you know, <laughs> the way he's doing it. But but one thing I did was I actually talked to about a thousand people in wow. six months, right? So every customer that came through the door, I sat with them, I talked with them. I would evaluate each single person. I would say, what did I do well? What could I have done differently? When they said this, what could I have said here, right? I mean, every single person. If I talked to say 20, 30 people a day, I would do that. 20, 30 times a day. I had a book that must have been six inches thick of just evaluations. I would read them over them. I would have different colors and just to learn what could I have done differently, right? What did I do bad? What could I have done well, right? Uh, What did I do well and what could I have done better about that? And I did that for six months straight. And then finally, I started, I sold my first car. Really, I sold my first car, not by accident, right? (laughs) And it was actually a great deal. It was one of the highest profit uh, gross profit margins for that dealership in the history of the dealership, right? Wow. And they thought I was just totally lucky. But then I did it multiple times after that. I kept selling. So now I didn't talk to a thousand people in a month or in a few months. I would talk to 10 people a day and I would sell, or 10 people, I'm sorry, in a week's period and I would sell 10 cars. Wow. So I would talk to 10 people and sell 10 cars. So I went from having a, a zero closing average to 100% almost, right? That's and, amazing. And, and, and it was because I evaluated everything and I learned and I didn't quit. And I learned yeah. over and over again. I reevaluated every little thing over and over, every little detail. I would dream about it. I would like wake up in the middle of the night and think, this person said this. What could I have said there? And then maybe like in the morning I'm going to share. I'm like, oh, I should have said this instead. And I would literally, that's all I would do is think about that. It was like I couldn't think about anything else. And that's how that changed, right? But I think the most important part though is that it's not giving up, you know? I think we give up so darn easily. Yeah. We just give up, you know? Something's hard, we're like, oh, you know, maybe I'm not built for this, right? And sometimes it's true, you're not. But sometimes you're just not working hard enough, right? Yeah. Like, I think I, this is an analogy that I kind of remind myself of, right? Like, you know, a fish can't can't climb a tree, right? It's it's impossible for them, they're not right. built for it, right? But they can swim like like crazy. I mean, they they're, that's what they're built for. I think most people think, unconsciously they're like I'm a fish trying to climb a tree this is not working for me and then they give up yeah sometimes that's true but a lot of times it's not and sometimes when you just keep going at it and you're to the point where you're like you know what this is not going to work sometimes it just ends up working right if you don't give up yeah right but how do you not get discouraged or demoralized like if you're like trying to sell a car and you like talk to like i don't know how many people per day and then you know sometimes people might be rude to you i can assure you that i there is no way to not get demoralized yeah i, I have been i've gotten real dark mentally it's like every single day that's what you're trying to do every single day yeah um, but i think a lot of people go through things every single day and it's okay to get demoralized it's okay to get knocked down right Everybody gets knocked down, right? I mean, everybody goes through something in their life, right? Nobody goes through life without nothing, right? I mean, something is going to happen, right? That's not going to make you feel good. 
But I think what we're at our best when we get back up. Yeah. Not just once, over and over again. Yeah. And I think that that's the hardest part. I think it's hard to get up because, you know, you want to just lay there and you're like, you know, I, I, I want to give up. I want to suck my thumb, you know. But I look at it this way, right? Like you can either suck your thumb or you can suck it up and get back up. Because I think human beings are much stronger than they think they are, right? I think yeah. we are much stronger than we believe we are. You can go through a lot if you just go through a lot, right? You just go through it. And I can also tell you that this is not naturally intrinsic to me, right? So my wife really? told me this, yeah. My wife taught me about never giving up. And um, and it was, I think, after when I met her, and she shared with me that, because she doesn't give up either, right? Like there's a whole different story I'll get into later. But the whole point is that she taught me never to give up. And then that's what I learned. Because I was doing stuff, I built companies that I hated, right? Or I've done work that I've hated. I mean, yeah. totally hated it. But I understood that if I just didn't, if I just don't give up, I'll find a way, mm. right? So I believe that there's always a way. I may not be doing what I want to do right now, or maybe something's demoralizing me and beating the living crap out of me. But here's something I say to myself every day. You must, you know, I, I say this literally every time I wake up in the morning, right? So you have to uh, endure what I must so I can thrive when I can, right? Wow. And that is a big thing because, you know, the truth is we sometimes have to endure things in order to thrive, right? Yeah. But if yeah. you don't endure them, you're never going to thrive. Right. That's really amazing. So you became one of the like top salesperson at Toyota even though you really were terrible at it in the beginning. I was not of, terrible. I was the worst. <laughs> you were the worst. <laughs> and you went from worst to the top. And then I think you left to start your own company, right? I did, yes. Yeah. What so, did you do? So I started a, uh, it was actually an uh, advertising agency, kind of like, so it was like advertising specialties, print work, and I would work with companies that are brands that need to get these stuff with their logos on it or print work and those kind of things. And I did that and I hated that. That's what I hated. I couldn't stand it. It's like you hated your own company that you built. Well, it was a franchise. <laughs> I, I bought into a franchise. I wanted I to start my own company. Uh -huh. I, I guess if you want to call it the entrepreneurial bug, whatever, you mm -hmm. know. I want to start my own company, but I never started a company before. I had no clue how to time. do it. Yeah, it was my mm -hmm. first time. I never knew how to do it. So I wanted to not avoid risk. I wanted to reduce the risk. And Got I thought it. that by joining a franchise, it would reduce risk. So I chose this company because it was a franchise that needed the lowest amount of capital up front mm -hmm. um, without having to you know, put up. Because at the time, you want to start a Dunkin' Donuts, you need like $1.5 million liquid assets. And I didn't have that. You know, I didn't have any of that. So I, I wanted to start a company. I didn't want to just start a company that was like a, you know, like a eBay shop or something like that. I wanted to start a real company that had sales that I could hone my sales experience, but also work with the the uh, supply chain of, 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 of suppliers and so on. And I wanted that kind of company. And this was that because we had everything was outsourced. We didn't we didn't do any of the imprinting on cups and pens and all stuff. We didn't do any of the print work. I didn't have printing presses. I would work with vendors in order to get this done. Right. And so I had to learn how to work with vendors, but also sell at the same time and put low capital up front. And that's what I did. I and I totally hated it. <laughs> I couldn't stand it. So what did you do about that? I just uh, endured it. You know, yeah. and, and I just sucked it up and I said, I'm here to learn how to build a business, right? And the only way I'm going to learn how to build a business is if I actually do it. Yeah. And so the conditions are never going to be perfect. You're never going to start your first job and like, you know what? Oh my God, I'm so lucky. I'm in heaven, right? Yeah. It's just most likely not going to happen, right? Most likely, if you take a look at the averages of what most people start, most people hate their job. They hate where they work. They hate what they do, right? And that's just life, right? Sometimes we have to do things that we don't love. Yeah, but course. if we endure through it, we could find a way. So you did this for how long? I did it for, um, I think about f maybe four or five years. And what did you do after that? So I kind of, it was kind of interesting. So that's when I started to learn a lot of the vendors and partners that I started to work with had digital marketing capabilities. This is way before Facebook and, and so on, right? So. Uh, so they had some digital marketing capabilities like Google and, you know, inbound marketing. So this was way before any of this was like super popular. Right. And so I started to talk more with them, started to work more with them. So I started to transition my company from being a, you know, like a physical goods, like imprinting on a pen or or whatever mugs and, and, and print work to doing digital work. So I started doing digital work for companies. 
and uh, I, and I started to use those, utilize those partnerships. So I transitioned from being a physical goods agency to a digital marketing agency, right? And then I started working in that way with with companies and brands. But I learned that you actually have to be good at that too, right? You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was not at the time. Mm. So I started to learn how to do so, and I focused on financial industry because I noticed there wasn't a lot of companies that did that. Right. Um, type of work in the in the banking industry. So I started focusing there. I built the whole consulting practice. We had a lot of customers, uh, but it was just me, right? right? It was just me and maybe someone else that I had working for me. So all the customers were there because of me. So I started to do, doing digital marketing for financial institutions. And became quite successful. Yes, yes. So I, I speak at conferences. I would speak on major conferences, but also we had about 24, I think it was, uh, 24 uh, banks and credit unions across the United States that that actually hired me to be their consultant. And they paid me pretty good every, you know, every, I mean, it was an annual contract. So I did quite well, right? And um, yeah, so I did quite well. And then how did this podcast come about? <laughs> so so actually uh, in 2014, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my, my consulting firm. I, I ended up having a, a, I had to go get surgery, right? Cause I had a, a they found a tumor in my brain, right? Wow. So I, I was, like I said, I was the consultant for all these customers, right? right? I was in a hospital out of commission for six months, right? In surgery, rehabilitation wow. and whatnot. I lost all my clients. Yeah. Literally in six months, we, years and years of building this company, I lost everyone. Like 10 years you've been building or something. Yeah. Like that, right? Yeah. And we lost every single customer. Wow. Right? I mean, some were nice to stay around, but our contract was going to end soon anyway. So they stayed for like another three months, but they didn't re-up the contract, which mostly they did. So pretty much my consulting practice that took me forever to build fell to pieces, right? So I ended up, when I got out of the hospital, I'm, I'm, I'm now, I'm trying, I had to learn how to rewalk, retalk, and do a lot of different things, right? Yeah. But also I had to learn, what am I going to do here? I can't rebuild my my consulting practice. It'll take me ten years just to get to the point where I was before, right? And um, I don't have the time for that. Consulting practices take forever to build, right? And so I decided to build a conference, an annual conference. And I thought that if I built a podcast, I could start to you know use that to use content to get better speakers and to maybe just to to sell tickets and get sponsorships, those kind of things. So I built a podcast originally to be a marketing tool for the conference. And also it gave me a way to learn how to want to retalk again, right? Because wow. I couldn't talk. I mean, I could talk, but I was I was slurring. I just couldn't talk. So my you couldn't understand what I was saying, right? And so I had to learn how to talk again. So by doing a podcast, I was a big fan of radio in the 90s, right? I love radio in the 90s. And um, I thought this was this would be a great carrot for me, right? So if I learned how to talk again, I could become a host of my show. This is my way of wanting to learn how to talk again, right? So wow. <laughs> making something super valuable because I, I love to do it, you know, and it's like, let me, let me just, let me learn how to talk again and uh, I'll, I'll host the show at the same time, right? So my first shows, uh, my voice is just really like, kind of like, it's not what, what it is today. Um, and because I was still learning how to talk again, I was doing hours of exercises before every episode just to get my tongue not numb. Oh, wow. So the podcast was a carrot for me to learn how to talk again, but it was also a way for me to rebuild my life somehow, you know, yeah. my business, my career life, right? Right. Did you ever feel like it's not fair that this is happening to you? You know, you worked really hard to get to where you are. Um, you worked all kinds of different jobs and, and did what you could to build a life. And then you were married and had a small baby and then all of a sudden you got ill and and had to learn to walk and talk again you i think you told me you also didn't sleep for months i didn't sleep for for uh i didn't sleep at all for two months right i didn't eat for two months either wow. so i actually lost i think it was 65 pounds in a month or something like that oh my gosh. i didn't eat anything so and in the hospital because i had stomach problems so where my where my tumor was was in my brain stem so that controls stomach uh, digestion and stomach functions and all this kind of things. So when actually um, I would eat anything, I would just, it would just come right back up, right? So I couldn't eat anything for two months. So it's not like I just didn't want to eat. I also just couldn't eat, right? So whenever I ate something, it would just come right back up. Water, come right back up, right? So I would get a uh, saline solution 
through IV. Um, that's wow. that's for you know that's just for keeping me hydrated, but they couldn't give me food in my arm you know or nutrition. So I had no nutrition for literally two months straight, and they just gave me saline for hydration. That was it. How do you how do you survive? I have no clue <laughs> to be honest. I don't even remember that time frame because I didn't sleep for two months and I didn't eat. So when you don't get REM sleep, you start to go insane, right? Wow. You start to not know what's real and what's not real, right? It's just the world of, of, I guess, consciousness, not consciousness, starts to blur when you don't sleep for a while, right? Or if you don't get REM sleep, I mean, if you, if you learn about it, it's without REM sleep, you just go insane in your brain, right? You just don't understand what's going on. So I had no clue what was going on. I'm like thinking alien ships are coming down and <laughs> I'm in the, you know, I'm like, you know, thinking all these things. I, <laughs> I'm thinking like I'm, I'm in the military and I'm playing for points of how to conquer the enemy and where's the castle. I have no clue what's going on, right? So, so I'm like in a world of delusion. My wife is coming every single day to come see me. I didn't know, I didn't even know it was her. I, I mean, I remember her face. I had no clue. Like I'm, she's putting my three-month-old kid on me, and you know, say, "Here's your daughter." I, I had no clue. I had no. Cl- I just couldn't understand who it was, you know, because I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what was real, what was fake, what was not, and whatnot. So, did you ever feel like it's not fair that this is happening to you? And because I, I know people who go through, I guess, not as serious of a challenge as as you did, and become incredibly resentful. I think that. Um, I think it's all relative, right? So I think that the challenges that everyone faces is relative to themselves, right? Right. Of the, course. The I guess the the size of that challenge is relative, right? There's people that go through a lot more than I go through that may look at it as you know what it's part of life, right? And there's some people that have a perception a lot less, perceptively a lot less than what I went through. They may say this I can't do this. I mean that's it. It's over, right? So I think it's all relative, right? And I think that. Um, if you look yourself in a mirror, I think everyone can say something is, you know, it's not fair, right? What, what we're going through, but I don't think that helps. I think that actually right. weakens you, right? <laughs> of course, Because yeah. life is not fair, right? I mean, there's kids that die, you know? And there's, you know, before they even get a chance to do anything, right? And there are people that die in their prime, right? Uh, before they even get a chance to really shine, right? And life is not fair. And I think that if you point it out to yourself that life is not fair, I think it weakens you, right? So although I may have felt it deep down inside, I try not to say it. And I try not to really, I wouldn't say that. I'm not trying to avoid it, but I didn't want my my mindset to think, you know what? Life is not fair. So instead of that, I would say, if it's not fair, how can I make it fair, right? And so I just learned, but if you work your butt off, right, really hard and you focus and you don't give up, you know, sometimes you break through the unfairness. And maybe you never get fairness in your life, right? But if you try, maybe you do. Yeah. So your baby, I think your daughter was just three months old and she is learning to maybe, maybe not talk yet. Well, walking, <laughs> walk, yeah. Walking. And yeah, then- when I got out of the hospital, she was, uh, yeah, she was a little more than three months, right? Oh, no, yeah. I'm sorry. She was a little more than six months. Um, mm-hmm. And so she was three months when I was in the hospital. I see, I see. A little more than six months when I started doing rehab, right? I see, got it. So I was trying to learn how to walk again. But she was also learning to walk at the same wow. time, right? So I'm watching her do it. And she was actually inspirational for me because she would get up, she would fall down. Maybe sometimes she would cry, but she'd get back up, right? And that was it. She didn't say, you know what? Life's not fair. <laughs> I have to learn to walk. <laughs> I have to learn how to walk. This is crazy, right? You know? And so it was kind of, so I, that's where I think the life is not fair thing kind of went out of my body 100%. Because she could say life is unfair. Why can't, like horses are born to run, right? Why can't humans be? Like she's not saying any of that stuff, right? She's just, she falls, she gets up. She falls, she gets up. She falls, she gets up. She's not humiliated. She's not looking around to see if anybody's watching. Just gets back up and she tries, right? And eventually now, you know, she could run, you know? So yeah. I think that Life is unfair, right? I mean, some things like horses are, they can run when they're born, right? Humans can't. That's unfair. But there's a lot of things that we can do. So I I try not to focus on what's not fair or what we don't have or what I don't have. I try to focus on what I do. Ah, so give me an example of like how you were thinking about it at the time. I was angry as hell. In all honesty, I was like, this is ridiculous, right? 
because I would play sports. I mean, I'm not like a professional athlete, like an Olympic star or anything like that. But I mean, I was pretty good at certain sports, decent at them, right? And you know, I could I could hold my own on a basketball court or soccer or something like that, right? And and that, and when I got to the hospital, I couldn't even sit up straight. I was in a wheelchair, right. so I'm like sitting there. I, I'm sitting on a couch or something like that, and I'd fall right the hell over. Right, I would fall over to my right side. I couldn't sit up. Wow. I couldn't even sit up. So. I'm angry, and so I was using lots of choice words, and I was really, really angry. I mean, it's like, it's, I'm like, how is this possible? This is ridiculous, right? But then, you know, getting angry and staying angry, I mean, everybody gets angry. You can't stop that. Course, you, you can't yeah. just say, I'm not going to be angry today. Yeah. I'm going to be happy and happy-go-lucky, and it's all sugar plums and fairies and stuff. <laughs> you are going to get angry, right? But it's not, it's what you do when it happens that makes the biggest difference. And so I stopped being angry because it's not going to help me. Yeah. Being angry or staying angry and being mad at the world is not going to help me walk again, right? That's right. <laughs> it's just going to make me angry, right? Yeah. And that is not a healthy mindset. Mm. So for my daughter, I learned she just kept get back, get back up again. She didn't complain. She didn't say anything. She didn't get mad. She just did it. And so I learned back then to stop overthinking things and just do it. If I want to learn how to walk, just do it. What's the worst that could happen? I actually learned how to walk. That's the best thing. Or, okay, I tried, but I didn't. Right. But at least now I know I put everything into it, right? So I didn't give up. And so then I learned how to walk again. It was a pain in the butt. How long did that take? I, I, I don't remember the exact time, but it was more than three months, I know. Wow. I had to do silly things with like putting my foot here and pointing it there and just doing basic stuff, right? Mm. And and just, you know, just walking with a with a walker, I was in a wheelchair, then I was on a walker, then I was on a cane, and then eventually nothing. But even still, till to this day, I take a ferry to work every day. And um, when I come to the studio and, and the ferry, when I get off the ferry, it's like, I, I'm like so dizzy, I'm like falling all over the place, I'm like falling all over other people. So I try not to, I have to do exercise. So I do, I, ex I walk about a few miles every single day. And I put, I put a lot of weight in my backpack to help my balance better, right? So my balance is still off, even when I get off a boat or something like I that. See. I'm still unbalanced, but I learned how I'm, even to this day, I still do a lot of exercise and walking and balancing to get better. But yeah, I think it was before I could actually walk on my two feet again, without help, it took about a year, right? Wow. But to start walking with a walker, it took me about three months. You still have some physical challenges right now that you have to overcome. I do, cases, yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, so I have stomach issues from it because mm -hmm. where the tumor was, it controls the stomach digestion function. So every morning I wake up nauseous. I have morning sickness every morning. Wow. Uh, for 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 years since my surgery, I have to take Dramamine, which is a, a, it's a pill for. It's just a regular thing that usually when people go on boats, you know, they take Dramamine yeah. with them so they don't get nauseous. Right, right. I take I take it twice a day. Oh my gosh. If I don't. I get very, very nauseous. I'm nauseous all day long, right? So that helps kind of ease the nausea a little bit. Um, I also have my eyesight. I haven't been able to drive a car since 2014. My left eye is, uh, I have astigmatism from the surgery. So it, I can't focus on anything on my left side. Even when I walk, it's still off a little bit. My focus is off. I can't really, my, my world spins a little bit. Like, you know, I wear these glasses, like you can see the glasses right yeah. now, but. So I actually have 20-10 vision, right? So I have perfect vision. I'm wearing these, these are called prism glasses, right? Huh. And what they are are like 3D glasses, like you would go to a 3D movie. Oh, uh, wow. You know, if you took off your 3D glasses, you see everything kind of blurry. Right. That's how I see life. <gasps> wow. So these glasses actually help hone everything in. And this happened after the surgery? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. And then also, um, so stomach issues, my left side of my body's a little off. I can't use my left hand really that well. Um, my, you know, my, I have my eyesight is a little off and so on. Uh, and I'm very dizzy lots of times. So you have all these like physical challenges and I'm sure emotionally it was really hard for you, but yet right after that, you started to rebuild your life and like, how did you do that? <laughs> well, uh, my wife, again, she yeah. taught me a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. I could tell you if it wasn't for her, in all honesty, there's no way, there's just no way. So, um, she really pushed me hard and she didn't accept excuses she never looked at me like i was handicapped it's kind of funny i mean if you think about that for a second i would go to people i have diabetes as well right so I'm, i would go to people and sometimes they see them and they see me and they oh i'm so sorry for your handicap i'm so sorry for your diabetes and it's like they're talking to me like i have 
this disability that I just never am going to overcome. My wife never says anything like that. She treats me like a normal person. So I started to become that. I mean, I believe that was a normal person. Like, it's kind of funny. Like, I was talking to, I can get some certain disability things, uh, benefits from the government. Sure. And I get asked all the time, do you get that? I'm like, Why would I? Because <laughs> mm, you don't see yourself that way because your wife doesn't see you that way. Yeah. And so I don't believe I'm handicapped. Although, I mean, I do have handicaps and I do have problems walking and all this kind of, I don't, I don't believe I am. Like, so I try to not believe that this was the end of my life, right? So I think that I knew that it was going to be easy. I knew that to learn how to walk again wasn't going to be a walk in a park, per se. Yeah. But I knew it was going to happen. You just knew that was going to happen. I just had to do it. Mm. That was it. And if it didn't happen, fine. But at least I knew now because I tried my hardest and I didn't give up no matter what. No matter what. No matter what. And then you started to have all these events because you knew you couldn't spend on another 10 years building your consulting practice. Mm -hmm. You know, I've done events before. It's a lot of work. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I would never do it again. How did you do that with all your, I don't know, physical challenges? I'm sure it wasn't easy right after the surgery. So we went back to early learning. Remember I told you about, uh, with college, I'm not a great college student. Right, right. I can't learn that way. I can't learn, what's that called? When it's not, uh, applicable to something right this second, right? Got it. But I am a, I love to learn. I read six books a month, right? Wow. And um, I may even listen to three audiobooks as well. So it may be nine, and yeah. that, you know, give or take some audio compared to real reading books, but they're all pointed towards something. Ah. So it's not just in general, like I don't read about Agatha Christie or something like that, and, <laughs> you know, or Harry Potter or something like that. I actually read books about learning something new. So I learned how to organize a conference by talking to people who organize conferences. Wow. I read everything I could on organizing conferences, how to manage them and what, what does it take to actually be successful. I read books on that. So whenever I get a goal in mind like that, I will dive so deep into it just to learn everything I can about that particular thing, right? Mm -hmm. And that's how I learn. So college, I could use it if it would teach me something that I would do right away, right? And so that's how I, I learned. So I learned how to manage events by talking to people who manage events. I would reach out to people who have the best events out there. Um, at the time, I was emulating companies like Content Marketing World, which has six, 7,000 people, I think, that go there or whatever it is, right? And I would learn from them how they do it. And then I tried to do it. Now, mind you, I mean, it was successful, uh, but it wasn't to a point where it was so successful that I could just retire off for it. So it was, it's crazy managing events, by the way. Yeah. And then you did this very large mm -hmm. events where like super famous companies would come in and, and participate and things like that yep. without having any experience of doing event planning before. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, so I, I learned from those companies that if you want to build a great conference, you have to have great speakers, you have right. to have the, the right attendees and the right sponsors, all these together you have to have, right? So I built something that all this could happen in. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did, right? So you either do it or you don't. You don't just kind of do something. You just do it or you don't do it. I, I mean, I know it's so black <laughs> and white, but like, I think the way I look at it is, you know, I know it's kind of crazy, but it's either I'm going to do it or I'm not going to do it. So I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right, or I'm not going to do it at all. And then, so while you were um, doing these events, you started doing the podcast as like a, just get the word out about the conference. Yep. So it was like a marketing tool. Yep. And then you, you liked it. I yeah? actually loved it. Wow. Not, the event planning, not so much, but no, the podcast. No, I hate that. <laughs> yeah. But the podcast I loved. Yeah. I would have never built a podcast. Wow. And honesty. Now it's like super, like, super successful. So like, tell me about that journey. Like, how did you start? Because what you're telling me was like, you started to learn to talk. You couldn't even like pronounce clearly. Mm -hmm. And then for you to think that, okay, I'm going to like have a podcast. Like that's, that's like a crazy goal. It's like, I don't know, someone is has physical limitations and like can't swim like oh i'm gonna like compete in like a swimming competition or something why know? not right <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> how do you do that <laughs> well um i believe i could i believe that i could honestly I, I i there was no doubt in my mind that i could right i mean maybe it's naiveness right 
because at the time, really, I was not. <laughs> the, I was terrible. I mean, I, <laughs> like you were in other things for the first six months. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> There's just no way. Yeah, I would have done it really great at that time. But I did understand this. This I believed without a question in my mind. I knew that I'd have to do it very bad for a long time, in order to do it right. Ah. And I was willing to do that. I see. So in the beginning, you knew it was I knew it was going to be bad. Right, right. I but see. I knew that if I'm consistent about it, and I did it over and over and over again, and I put a process behind it, and just keep doing it. Eventually, I'll figure it out. Wow. So you would sit there and like just like email people to like interview and stuff. Yeah. So people didn't even know who you are. I, and I learned about successful podcasts, successful yeah. radio. Yeah. I mean, sometimes. I know a lot of people when they want to go into podcasts, they start listening to other podcasts, of right? Course, yeah. Which is important, but listen to other things as well. Look at other things outside of podcasts. Mm -hmm. Radio from the '90s, it was the heyday of radio, right? Yeah. Late night TV, you know, audience and all those kind of things. I mean, there's so many things that you can learn from so many different things, not just other podcasts. Right. So I did. I dived into. I I think I listened to a thousand episodes in three months or something like that of podcasts. Wow. And then I would go to radio, just remember from my history of radio, and I would look up, you know, like like shows from that I could find on YouTube from the from the nineties and whatnot. And and I started to incorporate those things. And I didn't incorporate them very well in the beginning. But I knew that somebody did. And somebody incorporated it really well. So I can as well. Not like them. I have to do it my way. Mm. So I have to find what way can I do it? Mm. And I knew I could, but I knew I had to keep doing it. The wrong way. It's like Thomas Edison. I mean, this is not new knowledge. This is not like it's groundbreaking. Thomas Edison built a light bulb. What was it? Nine hundred ninety-nine ways the wrong way. Yes. Yeah, and then like he found that. bamboo out of all things <laughs> that was the right filament. But he didn't just from the beginning say, "Okay, what would be a great filament?" I mean, they used all the obvious stuff: right. iron, metals, and copper, and all. But they burned out quickly. So, bamboo ended up being the right filament. Like, who would think that bamboo is the first way to? <laughs> To make a light bulb. So I'm just thinking, so what I'm saying is that there's no way in heck, if you're doing something new, you're not going to know it. And if you look at all the other experts out there, they may not know it either. Right. 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 I mean, what, what, what's Thomas Edison going to do? Find other ways to build light bulbs from other people that never built it before? I mean, and so I think that so just because people are experts in certain areas doesn't mean that they're going to have all the answers. Right. Sometimes you have to mess up a whole bunch yeah. before you can figure out how to do it the way that you can do it, right? Absolutely, yeah. And I think it's also interesting that you point that out because oftentimes when people want to start like a new project or something like that, they compare their like first creation or first try to like the work of the masters who've been doing it for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. And and so then they get all discouraged, like, oh, I'm never going to be good enough. It's never going to work out, right? But you can't do that because I'm sure those masters have had days where for they sucked for like the first year, right? Here, this, is, this is the way I look at it that way. And that's yeah. a great point, right? Yeah. Because those masters were not masters when they first started. That's right. They were just like you and me and everyone else. Google wasn't Google when it was created. Yeah. It was just a bunch of guys that wanted to make a better search, that's right? That's right. And... Now they're Google, right? But they weren't Google when they first started. A master podcaster or radio host is not a master podcaster or radio host when they first start. So when you started the podcast, you just sit there and like email people to interview? Yeah, so I, I learned that by having a successful podcast or, or a show, you need to have great guests. Yeah, so that's how like, did you get that's the, key. the guests? So I would look on LinkedIn or I would just find names mm -hmm. of the people that I think would be great guests, mm -hmm. great content, but yeah. also be interesting, like I like tier one of whatever you want to call it, high level guests, right? Yeah. And but I, they don't know I didn't care who I didn't care who it was, <laughs> and I would email them. Right. Doesn't matter who it was, yeah. right? And did you get a response? Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. I, so I would I would reach out to a hundred, yeah. and I get I get one. A <laughs> <laughs> hundred. Yeah. Oh my god! Every yeah. week. Uh, yeah, I would do. I would sit there in, in a week's period or so on. I would, or or a ten day period, or I would. I would say, when's this goal? When do I want to accomplish it? So I want to get one guest by X, Y, Z. So I would figure, I have to talk in order to get one guest, I need to talk to 100 people, right? Wow. And I would take that and just break it up into days. So if it's a, a 10 days period, then I would say every day I need to talk to 10 people Wow. in order to get just that one guest. And that's what I would do. So I reached out to 100 people just to get one guest. And every new guest I wanted to get, I would have to talk to 100. 
when you like don't hear from or get rejected from like 99 people like did you ever get discouraged yes okay of course but how do you how do you feel how could you not get discouraged <laughs> right so how do you have the will or the motivation to keep going and keep trying because i knew that if i didn't give up i would figure it out right mm -hmm. so right now I'm, I'm reaching out people are saying no to me eventually they won't right right but right now they are yeah that's okay but now you it's like hugely successful so now people all come to you i get a lot of people that, that come to me you know and um, i'm fortunate there to have really really good guests but it also comes to the point that you have to have good content you yeah, have to really right. be good at what you do and so years i did it terribly for years mm. honestly like my first year and a half yeah i couldn't stand my podcast right <laughs> <laughs> but i kept doing it because i knew i would figure it out and i knew that if i just endured this i would thrive eventually once i figured it out right so it's just about doing it over and over again you know i think people relate way too much to that light bulb and like i get asked all the time or people get asked all the time when, when did you know you were successful when did it snap right yeah it doesn't snap it just happens over a long period of time and then suddenly it starts to come together and but i think that i think everybody's successful everybody's successful right has paid some price and they've done it like even mark zuckerberg everyone talks about you know facebook and success right there was a thousand facebooks that didn't were not successful right, right. and he gave up his whole college years just to code 20 mm -hmm. hours a day or something like that right he paid a price to get there, right? Or whoever it is that's been successful in business, right? So I think that if you understand, it's not just about today, it's about 10 years from now, right? I'm doing what I need to do right now to make 10 years from now better. Um. And then just pay the price, whatever you gotta do. And just be happy doing it. How, do you, how did you know that if you keep doing it, you'll eventually thrive and you'll figure it out? I think that's the, the question or the problem a lot of people have that they don't keep going because I think they don't believe in themselves. Like, where do you think that belief in yourself comes from? So I think it's just a factor of just understanding. If you do it enough, you'll learn, right? And you may not, but at least you tried, right? If you don't try, you'll never know. That's right. If you don't try, you'll, you'll never, never know. know. That's yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, and I would rather so I, if I could say it like candidly, I would say to myself, look, in 10 years, this is where I want to be, right? Yeah. And um, in order to get there, this is what I have to do every single day, right? Mm. In 10 years, let's say if I would ask myself, would I rather not do it and just give up and then in 10 years just see what happens? Or would I rather try and in 10 years, I, I increase my chances of making this happen, right? So I think that it's not necessarily just a belief in myself. Uh, it's just a belief that if I want to increase my, you can never be guaranteed anything. That's you right. could do everything right in life and still fail. Yeah, That's life, of course. right? Yeah. I mean, if that's what, if two people playing chess against each other, right? Two best players in the world, the one player could never make one mistake and just be perfect and still lose. That's right. That's life, Yeah. right? But I would rather do whatever I can to increase my chances of success mm -hmm. and fail rather than doing everything I can to increase, doing everything I can to not do anything, right? Yeah. Because you can only increase your chances. You cannot guarantee them. That's right. So I'm, I don't know, to be honest. I could still do this I, and, and still whatever. Life can change drastically to wherever, you know? But if I want to increase my chances, I have to start, I have to do this now. I think it was really inspirational. Before we started recording, you told me that we can only control our actions and behaviors and not the outcome. That's true. Yeah. I think people are often like too attached to the outcome, which is why they don't even try. That's that's very right. I think that's why, you know, like people have a fear of rejection, right? And fear of like, you know, I think I learned this from selling cars. I can never get people, I can't force people to buy a car from me, right? Right. But I can increase the opportunity of it happening if the process is done right. Mm. And so I just try to focus on increasing the opportunity and not trying to, I guess, uh, change the outcome. Because the outcome is going to happen whether you want it that way, whether you want it to or not. But you can do things to make it different, to increase the opportunity of it being a positive outcome. That's right. And then you've been doing uh, this podcast, have built 
this for three years and mm -hmm. now it's like hugely popular and successful in the fintech world, um, in the financial industry. And now this firm on Wall Street built you this beautiful studio. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. amazing. <laughs> well, you know, and, and I, I had to do it for, I said I've been doing it for three years, right? So I did it for a year and a half terribly. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of people would give up at that point. It was like, what am I doing here? But it's very hard to yeah. understand. When are you on the verge of going somewhere compared to not at all, right? Like some people are like, well, a year and a half with no results. You, you read blogs, you know, they'll say you should quit if you don't have any you know, people by a year and a half, right? Okay, maybe they're right, but I believe that I could do it. I just had to find the right thing, right? Right. So you've had quite a journey mm -hmm. and you also interview very successful people on your podcast who mm -hmm. are uh, have done amazing things in the financial world. Mm -hmm. So what have you learned about success that you can share with us? So I could tell you that everybody that has been sitting on you know the chair where all the guests sit, they're all very successful. And the one thing I learned is that they did not give up, right? They believe in something. Passion, by the way, is totally overrated. Mm. I think passion is totally overrated. You know how people say, I'm passionate about this, I'm passionate about that. I think it's totally overrated. I think what I learned from the people sitting on the chair was that purpose was more important, right? Ah. Because Passion will wane, right? Uh, will, will will change if something is, if your passion changes, so it's, it'll change, right? It'll get less or more, right? But purpose, when you believe in something in your heart, in the fiber of your human being, nothing will stop you. That's right. So every single person that has been my guest here that's been successful, I, they haven't said it outright, but I could tell each one of them had purpose. Wow. They believed in what they were doing in every fiber of their human being. And I think that's what made me do the podcast and continue to do these things because I believe in my in my human nature. Like it's who I am, it's my soul, right? Like, so I think that passion can definitely um, subside, but purpose cannot, you just can't. And so I think that the one thing I learned is you'll never have all the answers. None of them did. None of them knew. I mean, all of them were getting funding for 50, 100 million dollars from VCs. They never did that before. You know how many times a CEO came here and said, I have no clue what I'm doing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and these are people that are wildly successful, 100 right. people, 200 people in their companies. They're making billions of revenue or millions in revenue. And they say, I have no clue what I'm doing. Right? <laughs> but they believed in their in their soul yeah. what they were doing was the right thing. Yeah. And they... They had purpose right? and then they learned how to do it. They found a way to make it happen because they believed in what they were doing. Right. So I think that if you're passionate about something like, you know, I want to become an entrepreneur because I'm passionate about it. I love it. You know, it's I think you should reevaluate yourself because mm -hmm. honestly, you should say, do I believe am I willing to pay the price for 10 years? Will I will I go five years of making no money? Will I pay every the price that I need to pay in order to get there? I don't think people will do that, right? So I think that before they get there and before they make that choice, they should ask themselves that question. Will I be willing to go through this for 10 years to endure what I must so I can thrive when I can, right? And I think that's what I learned from everybody sitting on this chair. That's exactly what they did because many of them lost lots of money and they failed lots of times. Right. But they were willing to do it because they believed. You ask them, did you think you're, I, I asked them many times, did you think you were going to be successful? Yeah, <laughs> they gave me this look like, what kind of question is that? Like, of course, you know? Yeah. They knew they were going to be. Right. Maybe not in the form that they first started out, but they uh, knew they were going to be. So what is purpose for you? Um, so I think that I love, so I truly love doing the podcast. and I love yeah. learning from other people and all. And I really, it's quite amazing some of the stories I hear. It really changes my perspective. I love to learn. Like I said, mm -hmm. I don't like going to college, you know, I, but I do love to learn from amazing people and amazing stories. I read a lot of books, a lot of audio books, a lot of my autobiographies, like a Steve Jobs book. I, I think I read like six times or something wow. like that. So um, I am fortunate to have these great people sitting here with me because I can learn from them a lot. These are super successful people and a lot smarter than, than me, right? So I can learn so much from them. So they give me purpose to, by building this podcast, I have the opportunity to talk to these amazing people. I learned so much from them. Wow. 
So what is one thing that you know now that you wish you knew when you were younger? I gave up a lot when I was a kid. Uh, this is when you were in school. Yeah. This is even before college. Like I would be the type of person that I tried it and didn't work. So I gave up really quickly. Right. And um, I'm fortunate to meet my wife. She taught me to never give up. Mm. So that's the one thing that I could tell you is never giving up because I give up so many times. Right. How did you one day wake up and be like, you know what? I'm going to not give up. I used to give up a lot. I but didn't, I'm not going to do that anymore. I didn't. It wasn't one day. It was mm. more of my wife yelling at me for a long <laughs> period of time. <laughs> hey, whatever it works. <laughs> and then one day I got sick. Uh, and then, that's right. And then from there. Yeah. Uh, so I saw the success a little bit from when 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 I didn't give up with the advertising that's agency right. that I hated. Yeah. I saw like, actually, you know, this makes sense now. I get it. Right. Because mm. I didn't give up and I broke through and I started to do digital marketing and I built the firm from there. And, and then when I was in a hospital, I think it really made sense because you know what? I wanted to give up a lot, you know, I mean, just think about not eating for two months, you know, not sleeping for, for a long time for two months, actually, and then not sleeping well for four months and then learning how to do all stuff again. If I would have given up, we wouldn't be sitting here right now. Right. Yeah. And so I think that the one thing I learned is to never give up, to never give up or to know when to give up correctly. Uh, how do you know when is when it is right to give up? Well, I try to, I mean, this is the way I look at it is this way, right? So if I were to tell you to go fly right now, right? If you jumped out of the window of this building and tried <laughs> to flap your wings, do you <laughs> think that would not work? Not a good idea. No. Not a good idea. No. Right. right? <laughs> so that's, that's just insanity, right? I mean, it's just ridiculous, right? But you could fly by getting into a plane or a helicopter. So it's possible. So I think that it's not necessarily giving up on what you want to accomplish, just giving up on the way you approach it. Uh, got it. So it's like if you try one, you have this goal. Yeah. And if you want to try this way and then it doesn't work, then you try another way. And That's try exactly another right. Way. Right. I see. So it's not necessarily giving up on your goal, but giving up on the way you approach it. I see. Because mm. there are lots of ways to approach different things. Right. I see. That's and, right. And if you try to do it the way that you can't do it physically, it's a waste of time. So you give that option up of the method of trying, but then you try another way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we all know no one succeeds alone and no one achieves dreams alone. So who helped you to get to where you're now? I can tell you definitely my wife is number one. Without her, there's just no way. She gave me a way of looking at life that I never was able to look at it wow. in that way before, right? And you met her when you were trying to sell a car to her. I sold, not, not tried to, I sold her a car. <laughs> you sold the car. Like, I think, was it on Valentine's Day? It was, yes. Yeah. So was I so... sold her a car on Valentine's Day. I sold five cars that day. It was like seven o'clock at night. We just closed. I was finishing up my last delivery. And she just walked She came in, in at seven o'clock. We were closing. But in the dealership, if you come in at eight o'clock and there's someone there, they help you, right? That's right. So a customer comes in, you take them, right? So the yeah. last person there, she came in, said, I don't have an appointment. I remember the exact words. She goes, I don't have an appointment, but I, I wanted to get some information in a car. She was looking at a Prius. We didn't have any Prius, right? She wanted to use Prius. We didn't have any of that. She left with a Corolla, right? So uh -huh. so she came in. I had a date that night with a very beautiful woman, by the way, uh -huh. which canceled on me at 11 <laughs> o'clock because she was still there. My, 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 my At the time, she wasn't my wife, but my wife was there. Right. And, you know, since my date canceled she took me out to dinner wow so she's like oh so um i bought a car from you and and a husband yeah uh that's interesting <laughs> and look where you're now i could tell you definitely it's the craziest thing yeah um maybe we're meant to be together who knows if the universe was you know the, the numbers of the universe just happened to make it all work. I don't know, but she was definitely the perfect person for me. Cause I could tell you that during my time when I was in the hospital, she had the worst. Oh, of course. I was, I was just some, I had a brain problem kind of like I was hallucinating. Everything was weird. I was out of my freaking mind, but you know, so I didn't know what was going on. I was either kind of trying to relax or, or I was laying down or I was out of my mind and I didn't know what was going on. So that time I don't remember any of it. Right. My wife had a three-month-old child. She was working full-time. She had another daughter. We have another daughter at seven. Uh, and at the time, she was four. Yeah. And so my wife had to take care of two kids. One was an infant, work full-time, and take care of me at the same time. Oh, my gosh. And just imagine, like, my income was not there anymore because of the company course. died. Right. So she had a, And she had to support the whole household with just her income. Wow. 
Wow. So. And your medical bills, I'm assuming. Well, we were fortunate she had really good insurance. So we didn't have that crazy medical bills, thank God. But she is an amazing person. Like, wow. I, I I can't begin to tell you how lucky I am. Like, I, I don't even know how to say it. I mean, like, I, I'm very fortunate. If it wasn't for her, there's just no way in hell. Like, you hear all the time, sometimes people say, it was my wife, you know, because my husband, the best person in the world. And I'm like, yeah, that, that's that's great. I wish I could find someone like that one day, right? And this is a long time ago. And now I understand exactly what they mean, right? Uh, like, she's amazing. And you actually mean it. <laughs> With my heart. I yeah. mean, like, if I could tell you some stuff, she had like four car accidents, like driving, because people kept hitting her from behind. Oh my gosh. You know, because they're, they're texting and stuff. And she... She had no one to support. Like she couldn't call me up. She couldn't vent, so she had to deal with it. And you know, the the we were living in a building at the time, and the had the building next to us caught fire, so she couldn't get into her building. Oh my gosh! For like two days, so she was wearing the same clothes for two days, coming to see me, getting the kids, going to work. Wow. I mean, she had to deal with all this garbage. I mean, that's just some of the garbage she had to deal with. She's an amazing person, like. Amazing. If I would say the most influential person, I mean, there's a lot of people I've read books about or biography yeah. that I helped me think about things differently, but she gave me a foundational change of who I am. When this episode airs, you're going to play it back to her. <laughs> <laughs> I hope what you told me, you tell her every day. I do but, tell her a lot. Oh, yes. wow. That's great. <laughs> well, I'm very grateful for, for. Yeah. She was really with you through the. She was. Hard times. It, yeah. Because, you know, it's very easy to dis. You hear people get, you know, separated all the time when someone's sick. And I understand it. You know, it's it's tough. Yeah. It really is very stressing. Like, you have to understand, like, she had no clothes going to come back to be. I could have been a vegetable, you know, for a long for the rest of her life. Right, right. And so she's saying to herself, is my life going to be like this forever now? Like, I have to take care of two kids, deal with all this garbage, take care of his health. He can't walk. And now he's a vegetable, whatnot. And, but, but she didn't leave. She, she did. stayed. Yeah, she stayed. Yeah. 100%. And and because of that, you are here now. That's exactly right. And so she taught me how to look at everything differently. She told me that she's the ultimate teacher of when not to give up. You know, she never gave up. Do you think that your um, marital relationship got stronger after you got ill compared to before and after? I don't know if it's before or after, if, if that's the pivotal point. But I could tell you now I love her more than ever. Right. So like today. When I look at her, I love her more than I've ever. I mean, I, I feel, I feel deeply like I, I, I love her more now than ever. Right? Wow, I'm glad she walked in on Valentine's Day looking for a car. I hope that she says the same thing. That she, <laughs> <I> hope, yeah. <laughs> if you ask her, she might not. So. <laughs> well, we'll see about that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I, yeah. I, yeah, I think that I, I, she was probably the most influential person in my life. Wow, amazing. So my last question to you is, what would be your words of advice for people who may be going through some very tough times and trying to to get through it and want to achieve a dream one day? What would so, you say to them? I remember uh, Abraham Lincoln said a quote, right? He said, this too shall pass, right? And it's true. You know, if you're going through something, go through it. Just get it. No matter how dark it is, you're, you'll be surprised how strong you really are. Mm. I mean, things... Things sometimes can get really dark. I get it. I understand, right? And, and again, it's relative to the person, but it'll pass. And maybe it won't pass if it's a passing of someone you love that's, it's not, they're not going to come back, right? But you know what? You'll learn how to deal with it. And you'll learn how to find other great things in your life, you know? So I think that no matter what, just get through it the best you can. It's not going to be pretty, you know? It's not going to, it's not going to be a clear tunnel where there's a light there that you could just follow. Sometimes you'll get in real deep mire, right? Just get through it and just endure it until you don't have to anymore. Right. We are stronger than we think we are, right? We really, I could tell you we very much are. Yeah. Again, I was a kid that was not strong at all. I gave up very quickly on everything. And then I learned from my wife how not to. Yeah. And I survived something that I may not have if I was that person still. Yeah. So I think that if you're strong and you get through it, you have a better chance of it. You can only increase, you can't increase the outcome. I could have died, right? I can't change that. Right. You can't, you can't um, change the outcome. You can only increase the opportunity of, of a better outcome happening. And it's what you do every day that'll increase that opportunity. That's it. So don't try to change the outcome. 
try to improve the opportunity of the outcome being more positive. Yeah. And you can only do that by doing the best you can, getting through what you need to, and just doing the right things every single day. Wow. Thank you, John, for sharing your such an inspirational story. I am so honored and grateful that you opened up and shared your journey with us. I hope my listeners will check out your podcast. Thank on it. <laughs> Look it up on any iTunes or um, Google Play, and especially if you're in the financial industry. So thank yeah, you, John, so even much. If you're not, uh, mm-hmm. Even if you're not in the financial industry, there's some great stories by fintechs, these yeah. leaders that are just leading through things. So, I mean, it's... It's good if you're if you're in the financial industry, but they're also they're great stories too. Yeah. Thank you, John. Thank you. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy the conversation, I would really appreciate it if you can subscribe and write a review for the podcast. It really helps me to spread the word. And as I mentioned in the beginning of the show, please let me know where you are listening from and what you think about the show. And if you're interested in learning more about my coaching, I would be happy to answer any questions you may have. Please send me a message on my website, selinalee.co, that is C-E-L-I-N-A-L-E.co, and leave me a message there. So thank you again, and I'll be back soon with another episode.